Hi guys, welcome back to the ISD CrossFit Podcast. This week we're going to talk about a few questions that our members have asked. So we're going to do a question and answer. This was on the Facebook page and then a couple people also asked questions in person. Hopefully I'll remember remember all those, but I'll go over the questions and then we'll try to answer them as best we can. First one, we have thoughts on fitness tracking devices like Whoop or band heart rate monitors. Uh, so the first thing with that, uh, if you guys don't know what the Whoop is, it's measuring heart rate variability, which is different than measuring just the heart rate. Uh, there's Whoop and I assume there's a few other brands that do similar things, but uh, essentially it's trying to tell you or it claims to tell you how recovered you are uh, and it bases it on the heart rate variability. Now, the issue with that is the science isn't super great with that. Uh, there's issues both with the accuracy and the precision and also the consistency. Uh, in terms of pros and cons with Whoop, I think that it might make you focus more on things like sleeping more because it'll. there's a little app that goes along with it and it's like, oh, you're really under-recovered. You need to sleep more. Uh, or it says your workout was really hard. You need to recover more. Uh, some issues with it is maybe it's wrong and you wake up and you're about to go hit a big workout, but then your app tells you that you're trash for the day and you need to rest. Uh, and I don't know that that's always true and I don't know that it's that accurate. Um, so that's my opinion on that. Also something to be aware of, a heart rate monitor is very different from what WHOOP is and WHOOP is heart rate variability. So I'm uh, not going to dive too much further into the details on that, but a heart rate monitor is a great tool just to uh, monitor your heart rate during workouts and recovery phases and checking the trends on that over time. So my, that's kind of my thoughts. What do you guys think? Yeah, I think uh, with that heart rate variability on, and, and WHOOP, uh, it's, it's measuring the variability between heartbeats. Like if you, for example, if you ever look at like a, an ECG where there's the squiggly line and the, and the, the line goes sharply up, right? And that's your heartbeat. Uh, and it's, it's measuring heart rhythms. And what that heart rate variability is, is measuring, uh, the time in, uh, I believe it's milliseconds with whoop, uh, between the, the real sharp squiggly line that goes way up. And that's, measuring the time between your heartbeat. Uh, and in any given moment, uh, from one second to, or one beat to the next, there might be uh, several milliseconds, that's one one-thousandth of a second difference uh, between each heartbeat. Uh, and you could be at completely uh, at rest uh, or you could be exercising. And so it's not just a constant, um, you know, every heartbeat doesn't look like, the next one. Uh, so there's some very, so it's measuring that variability. Uh, the whoop device, it, ju that's all it measures is heart rate. Uh, and that, that time, that variability. Uh, like Alex said, it measures rest and it measures stress. Uh, the whoop, it, uh, it's more expensive. I, I looked into it and, uh, the current whoop device is, uh, $30 a month. So it's a monthly membership. Uh, you have to start out with at least a six month, uh, commitment. So you're paying 180 bucks upfront, uh, for a simple, uh, wrist device. And that wrist device stays on you nonstop. Uh, you never take it off. You wear it 24 seven and there's a charging port that connects to, to that wrist, um, device. So you never have to take it off even to charge it. Um, heart rate, um, 
trackers often will track steps. I like that for me. Useful. It's useful. Uh, the optical sensors that, that, um, people are wearing on their wrist, I find is not that accurate, particularly when exercising. Uh, it's fairly accurate when you're at rest, but when exercising, it moves around and it's not, I find it fairly inaccurate. Just uh, just to clarify the the optic sensor that's for determining heart rate. Yeah. Um, so like that's how a Fitbit or a Garmin or something like that would give you heart right. rate during exercise or or resting. And yeah, yeah I agree. During it's, exercise, really pretty highly variable right. on the accuracy. The chest strap, and I know Joe wears a chest strap yep. uh, a fair bit, and that's been proven. And the technology just at the wrist with the optical sensors, just can't uh, compete with uh, the chest strap because uh, the chest strap, I believe, is actually measuring um, the, the not rhythms, but the electrical uh, signal from the heart. Yeah, it's close enough where the accuracy can be high because the conduction is close enough. At mm-hmm. the wrist, it's, it's much farther away. Um, I guess not to kind of just, I guess, beat a dead horse here and um, kind of piggyback off what they were saying. I think that regardless what kind of technology you want to use, um, if it's going to benefit you in some way, like Alex was saying, like if it makes you more cognizant of your sleep, it makes you more cognizant of your steps. So like your daily activity, or it makes you more cognizant of, you know, it was 200 for two hours straight. Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) Or like, am I actually in a state of relaxation? It's, 9 p.m. and my heart rate's 95. I'm probably not ready to try to go to bed and wind down. Like I need to find a way to actually calm myself. Um, data is basically as, as useful as you can utilize it. Um, if you have all these numbers and whatnot, but you don't actually know what to do with them, it's not super useful. Um, I know whoop has been really popularized in the CrossFit space, especially amongst and good at sponsoring athletes. Yeah, like higher level athletes. Those athletes are super in tune already to what they need to do for recovery. So one more additional piece of data probably for them isn't going to make or break, but it's only going to solidify to themselves that what they're doing is working. Assuming um, they're even using it. Assuming that, yes, it might be a hashtag paid sponsorship and yes. they might not even be wearing it. So. I saw LeBron wearing one. Oh, yeah. I just, I just ordered one yeah. <laughs> as soon as you said that. Um, but yes, uh, I utilize a polar heart rate monitor. Basically for me, it's when I'm trying to do heart rate work, it's to stop myself from going too hard. Um, I know that's kind of a weird concept, but to get some benefit from longer aerobic training, you need to be at a sustainable heart rate. And for me, uh, being able to check down on the wrist monitor and be like, am I at this Heart rate, that's what I need to do. Um, even on days that you feel really good. Um, People with a, an yeah. endurance background would be familiar with that type of thing. But yeah. yeah. So I don't, yeah, I don't want to dive too much into it, but um, t- in my opinion, technology is only worth what you can uh, understand and utilize it for. So good. I think we spent about seven minutes on that. Nice. Yeah, that guy. First question. We're going to be right on time for that 20 minute cap. Yeah. <laughs> 80 minutes left here. All right. Uh, question number two. Fad diets, keto, paleo, etc. Uh, I'm assuming it's just kind of our thoughts on that. Uh, the thing about fad diets is a lot of times they're either extreme 
or they work well, and that's what makes them popular. Uh, keto, I'll talk about each of these uh, in an example, and then just the basic principles of a diet. Uh, so diets are achieving uh, something with a certain strategy, and every diet's a little bit different. Uh, the ones that get really popular, they make either outrageous claims, or people make really good progress on them, or claim to make really good progress on them. They're all achieving the same thing uh, in different ways, and the first thing they're trying to achieve is a negative calorie balance. So you're taking in fewer calories than you're putting out, and that would uh, result in weight loss, right? So paleo uh, does this by having you consume whole foods, which is a really good thing, right? You're consuming minimally processed foods, foods you can find in nature, I believe is what paleo calls it. Uh, you're only eating things that cavemen could eat, like berries and nuts and uh, meat. Uh, I don't know if they get to consume dairy. I'd assume not. Cavemen didn't get dairy. Uh, but you're eating foods that are going to be very filling and lower in calories, and the reduction in calories likely results in uh, some weight loss and maybe improved health. Keto, uh, if you don't know the ketogenic diet, the actual diet, I don't know if people who actually say they do keto are doing this, but you're consuming fewer than 30 to 40 grams of carbs per day for a minimum of three days. That puts your body in ketosis. And a lot of this is like not necessarily research, but this is the belief. I know when your body is in ketosis, you're burning ketones, which are part of a fat cell. So essentially it's claiming that you're burning fat while you're resting because you don't have these high carbohydrate stores or these quick carbs for energy. Again, all that's, um, I don't know that the research is that strong, but there's some things suggesting that's true. If you're consuming fewer than 30 or 40 grams of carbs per day, you're probably just not eating that much and you're probably going to lose some weight with that. Uh, now the thing with fad diets is keto, for example, is very, very hard to sustain. I don't know that, uh, keto followers even like believe in sustaining it for long periods of times. I would, would hope they don't. Uh, and there can also be, issues with these types of diets if they're not looked at uh, as a, a whole nutrition program. So if I think keto, I have to eat really high fat and high protein because my carbs are very low. And a lot of people who do it, they, you know, they're putting butter, they're putting like sticks of butter in their coffee. No yeah. joke, they're straight up doing <laughs> that. They're wrapping everything in bacon. Uh, and we know that high intakes of saturated fat increase the risk of cardiovascular disease. It's been studied. There's probably 10,000 studies on it. Uh, so if you do stuff like that, it's probably not going to be a healthy option. Uh, and personally, I know that I could consume like 5,000 calories a day in bacon if I really wanted to, and I wouldn't achieve weight loss. Uh, so it, you have to stick to the basic principles of diets, calories in versus calories out, uh, macronutrient balance, meaning protein, fat, and carb. Uh, and then you'd also want to be consuming nutritious foods, fruits, veggies, fiber, nuts, whole foods, I think we all kind of know the basics of nutrition and fad diets become popular because they're either extreme or they make outrageous claims. Yeah. So that's, I've talked a lot there, yeah. but hopefully that worked. I answered it. I agree um, a lot with what you said as far as I think fad diets get the publicity and the attention that they do because they challenge the norms of actually like really basic nutrition things that work and they say, we have the new best way to do it without doing everything that we already know works. Um, uh, the, pro it, the promotion yeah. of that diet is trying to trigger an emotional reaction yes. out of people to buy into what they're selling. And it's probably people who have had experience with other diets and maybe didn't like them. So now I can eat as much bacon as I want 
yeah, I'm doing keto. Yeah, like, yeah. I, this person. Yeah, the before, I'm sold. <laughs> the, the before picture of this person looks just like me now, and look at the after picture of that person. And they're just shredded. Yeah, just shredded. <laughs> Swimsuit model, and they're just covered in bacon. Like they're yeah. <laughs> uh, in addition to fad diets, for people who um, maybe like pursuing activity, and like all of you guys, you guys like working out. Um, like at a high intensity diet affects your ability to perform like activities of daily living and exercise. Um, you are not going to feel very good trying to do activity. If you have 30 to 40 grams of high intensity, activity high, high intensity acti- activity will feel terrible. Um, so always keep that in mind when you're choosing whatever kind of nutritional endeavor you want to pursue. Just, Touching on on the diets, I mean, I think we all participate in grocery shopping. Uh, I think this has been, this topic's been well covered, but I'll just end it with uh, when you're walking into a grocery store, uh, I think your healthiest options in the grocery store are on the perimeter. Uh, Walk around the perimeter of the grocery store, and that's where you're going to see all your fresh fruits and vegetables, uh, your meats, your nuts. you know, it's probably not going to be in a box. Too yeah, frequently. if it's refined, if it's in a box, if it's been touched uh, and altered in any way, it's 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 not in its natural form. So your healthiest options are on the perimeter, um, and I think we can just leave it at that. Yeah, there's too many diets to dive into all of them, but yeah, yeah. if a fad diet makes you think about your health more, maybe it's a good thing. Anyways, uh, next one: any recommendation for foods and drinks for better recovery? Uh, I'll answer this one short and sweet, uh, water and real food. Yeah. I think, uh, a little water and, uh, a carbohydrate afterwards. If it was a really hard workout, uh, that carbohydrate will, um, help you feel better pretty quickly. And then, uh, probably within two, three hours, get some protein in you as well. Yeah. Uh, it's, I don't think you need to spend eight bucks on a, post-workout shake or anything like that no. uh, but should be pretty simple yeah i mean we've talked supplements before whey protein's a good substitution for real food but real food's also just as good uh branch chain amino acids marketed heavily if you're consuming enough protein you don't need those at all um i think that's the one i see being consumed the most where mm-hmm. uh, i don't know that it's that great anecdotally some people uh, say it makes them less sore but again could be placebo uh, creatine is good for recovery and performance. And like Joe said, water, like Chris said, carbohydrate post-workout, those are always going to be beneficial. Yeah. There has been pretty good research on protein, carbohydrate, supplement, post-workout, whether that's endurance or strength training, uh, improving recovery and then performance in the following workout. So if you're doing like two a days, then you definitely want post-workout carb. But yeah, I think we can move on. Yeah. Supplementation is exactly what it's called. It's a supplement to real food and um, basically restoring lost water or electrolytes or anything like that. If you don't so, sweat, you're good. Like yeah. You, if, yeah. If you don't sweat, diet it, Coke and if you don't sweat or breathe, <laughs> <laughs> then you're good. Uh, you would want to breathe. How do you decide what to program in each cycle? Uh, I guess I'll start with this for the strength training side. For strength training, we take kind of a phasic approach where we're going to spend some time building muscle. Uh, we use compound movements, back squat, deadlift, press, all their types of variations, uh, hinging, pulling. 
big compound movements that work a lot of muscles in a, you know, fairly large range of motion. Biggest bang for your buck. If we had like three hours, we'd do other stuff. Uh, but a lot of times we just have a couple, you know, 20, 30 minutes to develop strength. So we pick a compound, work on that. Uh, like I said, it's phasic. So we spend some time building muscle, typically done in higher rep ranges, six to 12, multiple sets, uh, challenging loads. And then we need to develop strength. Strength typically developed three to six rep range. Uh, we max out once in a while, but uh, honestly, working in the one to three rep range, it's kind of working the strength skill of expressing your strength in that rep range, whereas I think general strength training is better done in the three to six rep range. Changing exercises, we like to give you guys enough variety so that, uh, number one, it's not boring. Number two, uh, so that you can not get mentally attached to, all right, I got a set of five back squat. If I do that every single week for eight weeks, it'd be really hard to increase the weight on that. Uh, but if we alter from front squat to back squat to pause squat, then maybe mentally uh, you're more motivated. And physically, you have a little more variety so that you can achieve a PR in a lift or in a certain rep range and continue to drive progress. Um, that's kind of the strength training side. Again, don't want to go too deep into it, but hopefully that's a brief overview. I'd say that's perfect. I think you covered it. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> Do you want to talk Metcon? Um, I kind of know what's in Willis's brain sometimes. Yeah, I think, I think Metcon has to be highly attached to maybe like a specific skill or some kind of something that we're trying to develop there. Um, also with all gymnastics movements and CrossFit, there is a certain like level of volume tolerance that we need to be able to have you guys develop to do things safely. Um, and if you look at maybe, if, for example, four Thursdays in a row, we're doing, let's just say like a chest to bar pull up. We're not going to hit you guys with 50 chest to bars that first week. It might be like three rounds of eight or 10 chest to bar. And then the next week it might be, you know, in a little bit longer AMRAP of 10 chest to bar where we might achieve an extra round of 10. So we're up to 40 or something like that. Um, building volume tolerance safety when it's in a Metcon uh, is important. Um, just for like joint health and, and also like developing confidence and skills. Uh, it's pretty demoralizing if we just said, all right, we have a hundred total bar for time, but I only have the Good capability <laughs> to do, uh, total bar in singles. So we got to get you guys there. Um, Alex, you want to speak a little bit more about that? Yeah. Basically we just look at how you guys are doing. We look what we've been doing the past four or eight weeks and then, uh, kind of have a goal for the month that we want you guys to achieve, whether it's improving squatting movements in a Metcon or improving uh, endurance in a Metcon with a row bike or run. Uh, there's always something that we can improve upon. And a lot of times it's more so in the our mind. I know Brennan does a lot of the programming for the Metcons. He's, I always see him scribbling. He's like a mad scientist uh, with his Metcon sheet. But there is a plan. There's a structure. And it needs to be really fun, too, so that you guys enjoy it. And typically, if you're having fun, you're going to work a little bit harder. If it was just uh, week one, you got four-by-one-mile run. Week two, you got five-by-one-mile run. Week three, you got six-by-one-mile run. I don't know that we'd work that hard. We probably just wouldn't come back. I don't know if I would. Yeah. I probably wouldn't come back. No, it, would, it uh, wouldn't be much fun to coach either. No. no. <laughs> All right, go. Uh, so, yeah, that's a little bit of the programming there. Next one, age and gains. It's with a... S should be a Z. At what point do I just try not to get weaker? Chris, I think this is a great question for you. Uh, is it directed at me? No. Okay. Uh, yeah. Uh, 
I, I would say that I'm, I'm 44 right now, uh, age and gains. I mean, you got to throw in a, a, a number there. So, uh, at 44 years old, I would say I've been trying to not get weaker, uh, ever since I started having a fair bit of left hip pain and, uh, shoulder issues. Um, I look for me, just for an example, uh, I've had MRIs in both, sh- uh, left shoulder and left hip, and there's no surgery that will help except a shoulder replacement and a hip replacement. So at this point, I'm not trying to get any stronger. Uh, I'm just trying to not get too much weaker and, uh, get some longevity out of my shoulder and hip. Uh, I don't want to get them replaced. Um, I think I'll get my hip replaced at some point. My dad had that. I've got some genetic, um, things with my hips that just, uh, leave me prone to, I would say, injury with full, uh, full deep flexion, uh, for example, in like a full squat or, uh, full lunge. Um, my shoulder, many of you guys have seen my left shoulder is, uh, looks terrible when I try to hold anything overhead with that left. I thought it looked good today. Okay. I, probably because I straightened my elbow. Um, <laughs> but it's, it's so, it's interdependent or independent of, uh, I would say lots of things. Yeah. It's so many, every person is different. So it, if you just started, like we talked about this earlier today, if you take a person, they just never exercise and they're 40 years old, 45 years old, never exercised. Well, that person can, has several years to develop strength and get stronger than they ever have before. Uh, it, for me, I've worked out and played college sports and I worked out ever since I was in high school. And my, I'm not going to, I don't want to try to get stronger than I was at my peak when I was in my early thirties. Uh, and it wouldn't, I would get hurt. Uh, I hurt every day anyways. Uh, so I don't want to, it's not one of my goals. I just want to try not to get any fatter and not to lose the strength that I have. And keep your range of motion too. Yeah. As much range of motion as I can. Yeah. I mean, without getting too scientific, I think a lot of the research points that, uh, peak would happen somewhere between age 20 and 40. So that's not I mean, that's a huge range. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that would be strength peak. And a lot of those studies are done on like Olympic athletes who are training from age two to five. Uh, so I don't know that we can rely on those numbers as normal people. Uh, like Chris said, if you started training super young, uh, you're probably going to peak at that 30-ish, 40-ish age range. But if you start training when you're 40, you have lots of time to make some gains. Uh, I think as uh, someone who's just starting out with this type of training, you can get better at something for 10 to 20 and probably 30 years. And getting better at something is different for everyone. Again, there's hormonal differences, male, female. There's different times that those hormones decline. But I think most people can get stronger for a good 10 years or so in some movement. It might not be every movement and might not be at a very fast rate, right? If I get this year, I back squat 200. Next year, I back squat 205. I still got stronger, although the, the rate of progress is a little bit slower. So kind of my two cents on that. I, yeah, without, without, without going way deep down the, yeah, I know, good input there, uh, without going way down the rabbit hole on this, because it is super complex and there's a lot of things to consider. Um, if you're somebody who is really, really worried about strength, as, as you get a little bit older, take your successes as like exactly that, be proud of them. Um, especially been training for a long time, getting stronger and 
hitting PRs just generally becomes more difficult for everybody. I don't care what age you're what age you are. Um, I think the biggest thing, if you're super concerned about strength, uh, as you age, recovery becomes even more important. So maybe not, uh, trying to PR seven days a week. Like you can't get away with that as you get older. Um, you might even need I know, to train less. To get you, yeah. You stronger, might even need to train less to get might suck to hear sometimes, but yeah. So, um, I don't want to dive too much more into it, but maybe that will be a, could be a whole it, podcast. It could be a we podcast. Could look at it from the perspective, like how strong do you really need to be? And what's the cost going to be? That's true. Yes. Yes. Cause you're going to need some overload at some point. Yeah. And can you recover? And that, that pursuit of strength is going to come at a cost. Uh, and you're going to have to sacrifice some other element or qual- of physical quality to yeah. pursue that, that gain in strength. True. There's always a give and take with everything, whether it's strength, endurance, flexibility, or just general like health. health. <laughs> Yeah, so um, with that, I think we'll move on to our next question. We're gonna, we'll try to do like a lightning round here, I think. Okay. Um, <laughs> favorite mobility exercise slash movement and why? Chris, I think you had one. Yeah, I, yeah, I uh, just comes to mind hanging from the pull-up pull bar, the monkey bars, uh, and just doing a 30, 40-second hang uh, generally feels good. And so I try to do that multiple times a week. Uh, I like if, you know, I don't have like an exercise but if i'm feeling that i'm not deep enough in a squat i would squat more to the right depth uh if i'm feeling like a snatch i'm not feeling mobile in a snatch i would snatch more typically with a lighter load and maybe even slower than normal that's what i would do yeah um my personal favorite lizard plus um some rotation so what i would do is with my hand on the ground i would reach my other hand through and then follow it with my eyes. So I'm kind of getting some uh, rotation there. I think a lot of, especially in CrossFit, things that we do occur in like just one plane and we can get really rigid in that. So I like doing actually quite a bit of rotational mobility. So that's mine. That's good. Uh, biggest CrossFit fail? Um, I don't, I'm not sure what that question is asking. Do you guys have anything that comes to mind? Do, do you think it personally or like... I don't know. I can't. It's hard to say. Amy, Amy's got some good questions here. Oh, I shouldn't have said Amy's name. But. No, no, she's been found out. Yeah. So you can reference the uh, community group uh, Facebook page, anyways. But biggest CrossFit fail. We could just say personally, I guess. Um, I I don't really have one. I dropped that two fifty snatch in my head two times okay. within one week. Oh. Yep. Did anybody see it? Uh, probably. Okay. It's I have a video on, of it. It's Somewhere. on video, yeah. So they, okay, then it yeah, happened. I was wearing gray sweatpants. Yeah. Nice. Uh, I, uh, fell off the pull-up rig at game day Eau Claire, the first competition I ever did. I didn't know that. I, I, I remember I didn't hearing know about it. It was, that, yeah. a, it was like the first event of the morning. Thankfully, there was barely anybody there. Uh, I'm going to attribute it to... I was mentally barely there as well, and I hopped into the pull-up bar, and I oh my gosh, just uh, salmoned right off at about three reps into a total bar. Judge looked at me as I was on the ground, asked me if I was okay, and I go, <laughs> <laughs> as I got the wind knocked out of me, and then I had to finish the workout. That so, sucks. That, that's yeah. a good one. So, we'll just Chris, your shorts fell off you once when you were jump roping. 
Yeah, you're, you're right. You, <laughs> I remember you, that. You were coaching class, and you like you couldn't stop. I had to finish. You weren't going to break it. I up. had to finish. Yeah, I, I think I we were trying to do. You just kind you just kind of turned and like went in the corner yeah. while he was doing it, but it was. Yeah, <laughs> thanks for bringing know. that up. You're welcome. <laughs> if you could change anything about CrossFit, what would it be and why? Uh, uh, wow, that's a good one. Uh, this if, made in the lightning round. Lightning this round. could have been its own topic too. Uh, if we're talking like corporate CrossFit, I like what they did. They have a new CEO. I think he's going to do good things. Hopefully, uh, more media coverage in the future so that the brand is uh, seen better in maybe a more positive light or just seen more frequently. And it's all and the brand is also better understood. So like people who do CrossFit understand what it is, but people who don't probably don't have a clue right. and it's really hard to ex- actually explain what it is yes. so the the culture uh of crossfit on media uh appears to be really in your face i'm going to take my clothes off and post pictures and videos yeah. of it uh it's it, it kind of turns a lot of people off even people in crossfit even people in our gym uh and i, I think a big focus could be uh, a big focus could be towards their, towards health improvements, um, and maybe how anyone can do it. Yeah, it's a it's a lifelong pursuit of improving health and fitness. It's not just like super attractive, shirtless people. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. It's not I could do. <laughs> yeah, it's not I could do eight ring muscle ups this week, and then I. No, I'm not even gonna say I took my shirt off. I can do ten this week. Yeah. So like. The social media thing. Um, Someone said, uh, "If you don't take your shirt off, you're not really doing CrossFit." Who said that? I. The name, I just escapes me. I don't know. Okay. I mean, to be fair, like when some of my college buddies that I played baseball with start, found out that I started doing CrossFit, they were like, "Oh, so now you just like work out with your shirt off all the time?" I'm like, "No, that's not like that's not what it's all about." But from the outside, it is a big misconception mm-hmm. so i think you're 100 percent right with with more of a more inviting more inviting and yeah. just like a, more of a push towards crossfit is for everyone no matter where you start you can always get better and it is a lifelong pursuit because even at my age like i'm 24 and i think it's way more cool than seeing something on social media like somebody hitting a huge lift or doing whatever kind of workout like i still think it's way cooler when we have some of our older members coming in here you know four or five times a week and still seeing improvements and like and getting gains in bone density yeah and and like that matters and stuff that matters like they've made an investment in themselves and their health and that's what i want to be able to look back in my own personal whether it's crossfit or whatever like that I've made an investment in myself and like trying to stay healthy for a lifetime, not getting whatever else out of publicity or anything like that. So we're really bad at this lightning round, by the this way. This lightning yeah. round struggle with this what one. Our, re- mic, our mics would have gotten cut if we were. Yes. <laughs> we would have been bad. Two minutes. What yeah. do you recommend eating and or drinking before a workout? How far advanced of the workout? Uh, I think it depends on what time you work out at. I think you don't want to eat a huge meal the closer you are to the workout. So if you eat a big meal, probably three hours before. If you eat a small meal, probably an hour before. You'd want some carbs, you want some protein, uh, and you want something that sits in your belly well, and everyone's different there. Personally, I eat like an apple and a banana, 
and a little bit of a protein shake and coffee if I'm going to work out in an hour and an hour and a half or so. That's what I got. Uh, for me, same meal every morning, oatmeal, one scoop of protein powder, um, a little bit of fruit and try to drink 20 to like 32 ounces of water. Jeez, that's a lot of water. Well, I don't I drink know. that in a day. For me, it's one cup of coffee, uh, scoop and a half of protein powder, uh, I'd say, I think a teaspoon of turmeric, uh, in my shake. I you're going to say uh, pre-workout. No. <laughs> and then four ibuprofens and then I'm... <laughs> Good to go. <laughs> Some chondroitin, glucosamine. <laughs> Honestly, that's half hour before I work out. So down goes the shake, ibuprofen at 7 o'clock, and then I'm working out at 7.30. Like that. It's like that a lot. <laughs> Just trying to be honest. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, do you have any plans to bring back movement-specific mini classes uh, to learn double unders, for example? Uh, I don't think so right now. We're still kind of rolling with what we got. You still are restricted in the number of people we have here. Maybe as those uh, restrictions ease up, maybe we'll bring back some more of that. I'm glad we got Open Gym back in so that you guys can practice those things uh, on your own. But yeah. Yeah. I I think, uh, you know, maybe we're not doing specific skill development like in a structured class or with, you know, some of the skills clinics that we've done in the past right now. Um, but if you guys ever have questions about, you know, what is there, what is there something I can do in open gym to work on X skill? Um, we're never going to like turn you away. Like we'll give you something, uh, to kind of start brainstorming. And from there we can just keep that line of communication open. Cause we really, if you want to put in extra time, we're more than willing to, you know, give you something to make that time worthwhile so also on our youtube channel we have really old video demos of everything it might be time to redo our our video demos but uh they're they're pretty entertaining i I think they're fantastic they are entertaining uh we all look different because we're all five six seven years younger i was like 50 pounds heavier yeah and uh there's some good humor in there and also the gym looks different in the in some of the videos so i think i mean they're great to great archives historic yeah yeah so uh yeah, we, we should do some new demos, but it's it's good entertainment looking at some of the uh, the old videos as well. And it's good information. We did it seriously, but there's also a little bit of humor in there as well. Uh, last question. Are scores that are written on the board, how do you use that information? Does it inform your programming? What are the other purposes of that? Because uh, if you're not first, you're last, obviously. That's true. That's the, that, <laughs> that's the life mantra. No, um... Part of it, initially, it was for attendance, in a way, because we used to track attendance via that. Now we kind of use our app. We have the technology. Uh, it's kind of a traditional CrossFit thing to do. You know, you have, like, the leaderboard or the whiteboard. Um, there's a little bit of accountability with that. I think some people might draw some motivation from that. Some people are very motivated by the best time of the day, or maybe your friend's coming to the 6 a.m. class, and you're coming to the 4.30. I actually know a couple people who, like, pick one person, that they really want to beat, whether it's a close friend or just someone who's similar to them, uh, and they try to try to catch them in the workout. So that's that's kind of our reason with that. Um, yeah. Do you have anything to add to that? Yeah, I think it just um, maybe adds a little bit of extra incentive for some people, for others, uh, or maybe even most of us. We don't really care about the scores, but it from a personal standpoint, in fitness and exercise, tracking your personal progress or tracking... Um, just your ability to 
do more work or maybe a new movement is really important. Um, so we're kind of trying to develop that habit with you guys of keeping track of something, which maybe in turn will lead to you guys tracking more things. Um, so. Yeah, I think it's most important for you guys to make sure you have that time for that workout. Uh, Chris, I know you use it, you kind of look at the best score and then you just say one rep better than that, even if you don't get that score. It's tough. In this environment, Alex, it's tough to, for me to pick up on your sarcasm. But um, no, that's not completely not true. Uh, unless you've worked out with me in class and then sometimes I do say that. Uh, does it inform our programming? Uh, I wouldn't say that it does. Uh, I think for me though, like, you know, if we take a little bit of humor here, I do sometimes look at uh, the board, look at certain people, see what their time was for the workout, and uh, I'm going to do whatever it takes to, to beat them. Also gives you an idea of pacing, too. For sure it does. Yeah. It, give, it gives me an idea. I look at this workout, I'm like, oh, is that, that going to take me 10 minutes? Is it going to take me 8 minutes? Is it going to take me 12 minutes? I see what Jimmy did, and uh, I'm like, oh, he did it in 9 minutes. I'm like, He's going to destroy it. Yeah, and gives me some hope. Yes. Right? Uh, so it, it it is motivating that way, particularly for people who come later in the day. You get like a whole wide range of, of classes to look at. If you're the 5 a.m. person, you're the guinea pig. You're you the you, That class is the guinea pig. You and have no idea what you're getting into. Exactly. And sometimes so, I you know, don't know what you're getting into. Right. So you, so you might feel, oh, I did great. It's going to be tough to beat my score today. And every class destroys you. They have each other, though. That's that's true, and that that is yeah, that matters. Probably at 5 that's that really a very matters. supportive group at five a.m. So, so you'll notice some people as soon as they walk in, they don't even put their stuff down in the square. They go straight to the board and just look up and down that board, and laser beam it. Yeah, and and are taking notes basically. Other people, it's completely they irrelevant. Notes there. Yeah, they don't yeah. care. Some people don't track how many reps they did per round, and it it's not it's not for everybody. Yeah. yeah, if you have like an unhealthy competitive mindset, you might be the person who doesn't look at the board or shouldn't look at the board, especially if you're one of those people who's like beat up all the time. I don't know, I just thought about that right now. Had to add that in. Yes, so. it's a valid point. All right, so we did terrible there on the lightning round. That took us about 38 yeah, minutes. Yeah, uh, it took us longer. <laughs> and uh, we only exceeded our 20-minute time cap by 18 minutes, but we hope you guys enjoy. Um as always, the Q&As are really fun because it gives us insight to what you guys want to know about. Uh, and no, it's, There weren't uh, any last-minute questions. Thankfully. <laughs> yeah, we would we would have... Yeah, bad, bad time cap but there by Q &A us. Q&A is always fun. It's fun for us. It gets us off script a little bit. And I think it's fun for you guys. We literally answer your questions. Yeah. You, we tell you exactly what you want to know. <laughs> There's a little interaction there with uh, our folks, so it's great. That's it, guys. Thanks for listening, and uh, hopefully we'll do another Q&A soon.